So, Jennifer, I remember the boys being at their grandmom's house. They were probably maybe 16 to 18 months old, and they would begin to run. And, you know, of course, we had two twins at the same time, and they're going in different directions. And you could just watch their little faces when I would say the word, do not X, Y, Z, or don't, or stop, or that little face. They would look back at you. I think there was a little grin that happened. Oh, definitely. Yes. <laughs> oh, testing out defiances. So fun. And, you know, they just like to see what's going to happen next. So they are a little excited to see what's going to happen. And it's so frustrating just to feel like, you know, they're not listening to what you say, even though that was a clear indicator, like they heard you, they're just not willing to necessarily do what you told them to do. When I would, when Tim would get home and, you know, we worked from home, we took call from home and he would get home and I'd had the three kids all day and I'd ask him to do something, but he also didn't want to do it. I was like, listen, buddy, I just need one person to do what I'm asking them to do today. Could you just like, just do this one thing without it being a question? Or he's like, yeah, 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 I got it. (laughs) It's a lot, especially when you have multiple kids and you just feel like nobody is listening to what you say. So we have some amazing tips and reassurances today so that you don't get into that place very often where you just feel like, why am I even speaking words out loud? Well, and I think that even goes with us of moms and dads of teenagers too. (laughs) Oh, these principles work for multiple ages. (laughs) Here we go. Whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the moms on call. For nearly 20 years, Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best-selling books, online courses, apps, and network of certified consultants. And now they have this podcast to talk directly with you. Ask your questions at 888-234-7979. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. Today's episode is brought to you by Cozy Earth and Spoonful One. Laura, these these cozy earth sheets that they sent us, first of all, it makes it harder to get out of bed because they are so comfortable. Secondly, I noticed that they have a 10-year warranty. Like, I don't even have a 10-year warranty, I don't think, on my refrigerator. We definitely don't have a 10-year warranty on our refrigerator. <laughs> you know, I was thinking the other day, like, you know, those old refrigerators, they last like 30 years, they would outlive people. And mm-hmm. nowadays we're lucky to get eight years out of them. So you're right, there's probably not a 10 year warranty on that refrigerator, but these sheets, these sheets have a 10 year warranty. I'm, I'm What do you blown think about away. that pillowcase? Oh, So the sheets, oh. Oh, fine, you know, however much of you is touching the sheets is happy. Yes. But when you get it on the pillowcase and it's just like soft up against your cheek, if you're like a little side sleeper, it's just, it is literally, it does feel like being on a cloud. Yeah. Don't, don't waste, don't waste that pillowcase on the back of your head for sure. (laughs) You want to (laughs) be a side sleeper one 
100%. I think everybody needs to head over to CozyEarth.com, get more information on these incredible sheets. And I think they're even giving us a discount code. Mom's on call 40 at CozyEarth.com. Go get yours. One of the most common questions we get is about when to introduce common allergens. As a parent, it can be overwhelming to try and get three different food groups in our kids' diet, much less a list of 16 or more. Enter Spoonful One. Backed by landmark research and university-led studies, this science-backed solution was developed by world-renowned pediatric allergist and mom. Spoonful One products provide gentle daily exposure to 16 food allergens. And this allows you to introduce multiple common allergens at one time. And as a parent, easy and simple is what we need. One packet, once a day for one year. Go to SpoonfulOne.com backslash Moms on Call for more information and your exclusive offer for 35% off their award-winning products. Hi, Mom. My name is Nina. I'm from Washington. Um, my son's 18 months old, and my question is, when can we expect our toddlers to start following directions and holding them accountable for listening and paying attention to us. Um, I don't want to expect too much before he's capable of understanding, but I do want to make sure I'm teaching him appropriately. Thank you very much. Thank you for wanting to teach him appropriately. I love those words. It just echoes the heart of so many of the parents that we partner with. Like, am I doing this right? Is this the way it goes? So I want to address that. The love that you have and the fact that you're even concerned about whether or not this is the appropriate way. That is just what makes you a really great parent. And that's what makes it appropriate. Thank you for asking the question. And we're going to address that today. It is a great question. And and it's not that it's like, oh, well, we're just going to teach all these things right now and never have to read. It is a lifelong process. I mean, I'm still working on it and my kids are grown, you know, still just being able to, to speak truth into them, but also those realistic expectations. And I think that's where we kind of get stuck with our Toddlers, especially, you know, they're they beginning to to see the world around them completely different, and they're also beginning to know exactly what you're saying. And it's fun. It's fun to watch their bodies and their minds and their facial expressions show that they're beginning to really understand us. And I think that's the sweet little little tidbit. Um, that happens at this age, especially 18 months old. Oh my gosh, it's just, it's the best. But it can be exhausting. It can be frustrating. So let's talk about, let's categorize things a little bit. The timing again, it's just different. Like kids are not like homogenized all into the same grouping. When things like this happen, they start to experience that free will at different times. And here's how we can tell the difference. There are accidental and defiant behaviors. And earlier, earlier, Laura talked about 
a defiant behavior. It's when you've said no and they look at you like they understand and they're throwing out the gauntlet. Okay, well, I understand I'm not supposed to do it and I'm going to do it anyways and see what happens. And that's a defiant behavior. And when you see those defiant behaviors occur, then we really know it's time to put into place some of those moms on call principles. And we like to set the foundation before they actually understand the words. We have the patterns. We have the simple ways of communicating down. And then that defiant behavior comes and we can use those foundations to be able to set up a really effective way to begin to communicate to a toddler. And so today we're also going to talk about three things that we do that make their not listening even worse. Laura, what do you think one of those things might be? She knows the answer. It's so funny. I ask her the question every time. Laura, what do you think that might be? I don't know. (laughs) And and I do. I'm like, huh. Wait, what? Hmm. When they are beginning this, and you talked about the foundation. Can we back up just a little bit? Setting those foundations very early on, I think is so important. So let's talk a little bit about those first. Sure. The foundations are the ways to communicate to a toddler. They want two pieces of information, what's happening and what you expect them to do about it. And that actually leads in so beautifully. Thank you. We didn't, we don't plan these things. We've just talked to each other for 20 years. What we do plus. And so when we have those two pieces of information that we give them, that's very clear. One of the ways that we teach them not to listen is we over explain things. Like we want them to make decisions on the basis of reason, on the basis of making long-term decisions for a future goal, and they're not there. So do you mean that that we can't like explain to our toddler that eating the broccoli is really, really going to be good for our health? You can, and your social toddler will repeat some of those words back to you. But that doesn't mean they'll eat the broccoli. It doesn't always result in the behavior, (laughs) but you feel like they understand. But we're really good at populating their vocabulary, but the understanding comes later. So we don't have to convince them. Yeah, like we're just trying to convince them to do it. And as we all know, one of the cardinal um, characteristics of a toddler is they do not respond to reason. We have to, to keep that in the forefront as we're trying to begin to build the foundation of of how this is going to look in our home. All right, so back to your question. The other one, and this one I love, is putting okay at the end of our non-optional activities. So we begin with our kids of saying, you know, it's time to leave the park, okay? It's time to go to the nap, okay? And so when we start to kind of do those things, we're putting the option on the table when we really didn't mean to put an option on the table. Well, it's just such a colloquialism. Did I get that word out right? Colloquialism, I I believe. You're going to have to explain that. (laughs) It's part of our cultural way of saying like, 
got it. And a toddler, they understand the word okay as if this is okay with you. We'll proceed if it's okay with you. And we undermine our households by setting up an atmosphere that communicates regularly to a toddler that we only proceed if it's okay with you. We only proceed with your permission. And so that can um, unfortunately backfire because so many things have to happen in the day that they may not necessarily want to do, but it's good for them. What time we go to sleep, getting a good nap time, you know, it's time to eat. So going back to the original foundational element, what do you want them to, you know, what do you want them to do? Give them the instruction and tell them what to do about it. So, you know, it's time for nap. You'll be great at it. It's time to eat. It's so much fun to eat with you. You'll enjoy it. You'll figure it out. Those terms on the back end are so much better than okay because you're really not asking for their permission. And then when they don't give it to you and you ask again and again, who gets frustrated? Just you, not them. Just you. Right. (laughs) So we want to reduce that. That frustration is so real. The other thing that I really, really want to talk to our families about is that confidence, right? Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that our nonverbal cues Mm -hmm. are also matching our verbal cues. And, you know, what are some things we can say and practice while we're trying to teach ourselves to be confident, even if we have to bring up our acting abilities? Oh, yeah. So much of confidence is acting abilities. Well, and we talk about this so much fun. We do this in the uh, in the toddler online course and when we, you know, share and public speaking and whatnot. It's so fun just to put your chin down and your eyebrows up and to say, got it. It's a great replacement for okay. Uh, you know, we're leaving the park now. Got it. So do it right now. I don't know if you're listening to us in the car, on the way to carpool. It's late at night. Chin down, eyebrows up, got it? You can practice that in the mirror. And that's really what we're trying to communicate. So that's really one of the fun ways that we can embody some of that confidence that you've seen moms of six or seven kids when they're like, get in the car and they just have this non-optional face. And some of us have to practice that. It's not just natural. When you get a child, you don't get that face automatically. (laughs) It is born and forged in a lot of frustration to get there. So, you know, that's one of the things that we can do. And just, you know, being really clear about what it is that's happening. What's happening? What do I want you to do about it? You can put in the end of that. You'll be great at it. You'll figure it out. Or chin down, eyebrows up. Got it. Got it. Now, Jennifer, with Nina and this little 18-month-old, yeah. what is realistic? She asks, like, what, mm-hmm. you know, what should I be expecting from my 18-month-old? That when I tell him that he should pick up all of his toys and let's, you know, and everybody's happy and wonderful and he goes and picks up all of his toys immediately when I first ask? What are realistic expectations of our younger toddlers as we're just beginning? We're just beginning to lay these foundations and these expectations, you know, what, what is realistic? And I think that's huge. Oh, that is such a great question. Yes. And I'm going to turn the tables on that a little bit because expectation at this age is more on the parent and are developing our abilities to communicate than it is and whether or not the child responds. 
So I'm trying to give the information in a way that when they're developmentally ready, they're going to respond to. So if you say, we're going to pick up the toys now, you're going to be great at it. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to say, we're going to play the concerto in D minor and you're going to be great at it. The 18 month old going, you know, because you are really so encouraging and you've said the right words, I'm I'm on it. Uh, If you do have that child, that is something you definitely (laughs) should pay attention to. Um, But, you know, so really the expectation is of us. We want to develop as parents the clear communication styles. And when we do, they'll begin to lean into the consistency of that. And our temptation is to explain it in five different ways, thinking we'll find the right way to convince them when really it's the opposite. We want you to say it repetitively. We want you to say it simply, and we want you to say it confidently. So let's use the toy example. For an 18-month-old, we're going to pick up our toys. Well, you're not going to stand back, right? You're going to go with that 18-month-old and we're going to pick them up and we might sing a song or we, you know, we're going to pick up those toys. We're going to begin to show them what we are wanting out of them. And sometimes that means helping, right? Absolutely. Sometimes that means redirection, right? Like, oh, (laughs) we're not touching grandma's lamp. We're going to go over here and play with these blocks, you know. So it is active participation from a parent of of just having to come alongside these little ones as we begin to teach them what it is that we do want them to do. Yes. And, you know, participating, making it fun, keeping it positive is expressing that we believe in their ability to do what we're asking them to do. And there's a lot of power in that and that we're willing to jump in there with them and do those things. So yeah, I I know I'd love to have some kind of answer at like 18 months, two days, every kid just (laughs) hits free will. Wouldn't that be fantastic? But it's just, yeah, we get ready. Get ready as a parent with your foundational truths, with your confident face, with your willingness, and uh, so many of you with your great sense of humor, like bring that to the table for sure. And then they will begin to respond to those things. Your baby and toddler food questions answered. Welcome to the Moms on Call Snack Attack, brought to you by Spoonful One. Favorite word day? One of my favorite words. Spicy. Because you have to say it like that. You do have to say spicy and kind of do like the little salsa. Absolutely. Kind of dance while you do it. You must involve your shoulders. 100%. In some capacity. (laughs) But I am telling you, one of the things that just drives me up a wall is trying to have these toddlers eat food that doesn't taste good. Taste it first. Now, they do go through a bland season. They do. Like where they just like bland foods for a season. And it's just part of the exploration phase. But spicy is something that they develop a love for some of them right from the get-go. I know some of the people listening are going, my kid has wanted Tabasco on his (laughs) carrots since we started feeding him. But, you know, if your kid's going through that bland phase, Laura, you are one of the best cooks that I know. Help me spice up my toddler's food life. And it doesn't necessarily mean heat or, you know, those types of spices. You know, think outside the box. Think, uh, 
oregano and cumin and basil and all those fun herbs that you can add. Rosemary. Oh my gosh, a little rosemary tastes so good when you put it on those roasted carrots. So begin to start to introduce that into the diet as early as the beginning. You know, from Gosh, when you start at four to six months of age, you can begin to put some of those herbs and seasonings into that food. And really, if you wouldn't eat it, don't expect them to. You can make their food life spicy. Thank you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. If you have a question for Jennifer and Laura, call 888-234-7979. Visit MomsOnCall.com for resources to help you parent with confidence and thrive, not just survive your amazing parenting journey.